And now we're uh, pleased to be joined on Sports Call today uh, with Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football. Tony, the time is greatly appreciated. How are things going? Things are going well. It's, it's funny, when we were in Destin at SEC Media Days, uh, excuse me, at SEC Spring Meetings, I told my wife, I said, this is going to be the fastest summer ever. <laughs> and when I got in the car to come over here yesterday, my wife said, man, were you right. Summer's over. Let's go play ball. There, look, there's not not much downtime now. I mean, it's a year-round thing, and there was a lot of dramatic things to, to happen at, at uh, spring spring meetings with the schedule, and we'll get into some of that. But first, we want to talk a little bit about the Dodd Trophy. Uh, that's something uh, given out to top college football coach. Tell us a little bit about the Dodd Trophy and its significance. Well, what's unique about the Dodd Trophy is obviously you got to win games, but the Dodd Trophy takes that a step further in that it's about academics. you got you got to have a 980 APR just to get on the watch list, okay? It's very important. It's about community service, uh, scholarship, leadership, and integrity were the three pillars that uh, Coach Dodd, Bobby Dodd, who was at Georgia Tech uh, for 25 years as head coach and a total of 50 years in all. And so this is, this is about more, you know, college football is more than just a game. And we present the award each year. We have a committee that votes on it. Uh, we present the award on campus at a banquet to honor the coach. This year's winner, I'll give you an example, was Willie Fritz from Tulane. And you know how his season turned out. And so we had a banquet for him in New Orleans at Tulane. And when we arrived, they put us, there was about 12 of us, they put us on a bus and took us to the Tulane campus at the stadium and uh, the entire football, Tulane football team, was there waiting on us to escort us around the stadium, and and it was a neat, it was a neat, neat thing. We know a couple of the coaches in this league currently have uh, won the award, like Nick Saban, then Brian Kelly when he was at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Talk about some of the coaches in this league, and if they're on the watch list, and just kind of the things that they represent. Well, obviously, uh, a couple of coaches have won it twice, and I think Nick Saban is a guy who has a, a very good chance to be a two-time winner. Uh, Sam Pittman uh, at Arkansas is a uh, outstanding, outstanding coach, outstanding guy. But there, it, it is. It, it's a hard award award to win. It really is. And the, there are several coaches on this list on this list of the SEC who have a chance. Absolutely. And uh, joined by Tony Barnhart today, Mr. College Football. Uh, we also, before we want to get into uh, some some of this year's preview and that sort of thing, want to talk a little bit about. Uh, the book that you're releasing, uh, The 19 of Green, and that's about, uh, of course, fall of 1970 and about Georgia a little bit. So talk to us a little bit about this book and, and what inspired it. Well, in, in the fall of 1970, uh, I played on the first ever integrated football team of my high school, Green County High School in Green County, Georgia. It's about halfway between Augusta and Atlanta off of I-20. And in the fall of 1970, the courts ruled that the schools would be completely, fully integrated. And so that happened. We had spring practice. And when spring practice was over, the two schools had combined. We had 19 players, 12 white, 7 black. And that's what we sort of went to war with. And, this, and we, we, we won a division uh, championship, played for a region championship, lost a close game. But the story of the 19 of Green is not how many games we won. The story is the fact that 52 years after we played our last game together, our quarterback, Charles Turner, who came from the black school, and I uh, are among our closest friends. Uh, I talk to him at least uh, once a week. 
Uh, I, have, I have a charity golf tournament. He plays in mine. He has a charity golf tournament, and I play in his. And Charles was a guy who's in four different halls of fame between high school and college. And so uh, it's those relationships and the fact that, you know, Charles was honored by the circle of honor at our high school and six of his team. There's only 15 of us still alive, and six guys on our team showed up to see him be inducted into the ring of honor. And what does that mean to you to have something that is that is both personal but also historical because we know how difficult it was uh, and how much blowback there was to integration yep. not only in society but also in the sports world so what does that mean to you to have be a part of both sides of that well it, it means a lot and to, to go back and do the research uh on this you, you you know people don't realize what a difficult time it was people i know this will shock you but they didn't think it was a great idea that white kids and black kids would go to school together and play football together and, and play sports together they didn't think it was a great idea and, but it but it happened, and today uh, a lot of us stay in touch. And it's uh, we get together at each every homecoming. We get together, and it's a it is a special special time. Let's talk a little bit about uh, 2023, about Hugh Freeze, about Auburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, this was a coach that went through uh, had a past and was someone that was not necessarily universally received coming back into the SEC. But now that we've turned the page on that we've gotten into the summer and roster building all the things that new college footballs with the transfer portal what are the expectations what is the proper expectation for him in year one i do not know what to make of auburn at this point and that and that's why any expectations either way are probably not realistic i mean hugh freeze's track record is usually when he gets the quarterback position figured out then the other stuff starts to fall into place, and until he gets the quarterback situation figured out, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Uh, it, I, it's going to be really interesting to see how the media votes, because I, 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 as you sit there and go over every team in the West, you, you can say something pretty good about that team. Auburn, you know, there are some there are some good things, but I think it's possible for Auburn to get to get picked last by the media. And so, but if he can get the quarterback situation figured out, we'll, we will see. I know everybody has kind of, obviously we've moved on from Brian Harson, but there's still the lingering effects of, of Harson there at Auburn. I mean, how, how much did he hurt that program in just the two years that he was there, do you think? Well, just look at it through recruiting. Where, where was recruiting where you needed to be? No, well, it wasn't. Right. And so it's hard to think to put a figure on, but we, we will we will see once Auburn gets in their schedule and starts playing games and what what does the depth look like and stuff like that and it's hard to quantify what the impact was but obviously it was not a fit. When you're looking at the teams that Auburn's going to be fighting to occupy space with in the in the West, mm-hmm. when you're talking about A and M having such wild swings the last couple of years, having that really great 2020 and having. Uh, a, a really joke of a year last year. Mm-hmm. When you look at Ole Miss, who was playing its best football ever under Lane Kiffin, and then the Auburn rumors came out and that went downhill at the end. I mean, what do we make of these teams this year, and, and how much confidence do you have in, in their ability to, to stay afloat? Every team, other than Alabama and LSU, every team in the West has something to prove. Uh, you mentioned Ole Miss. That's an issue. Mississippi State. Mississippi State's got a 4,000-yard passer but they're not going to throw the ball as much anymore. What's that going to look like? You know, I'm, I'm, 
Fascinating. I, I think Arkansas, if you've got K.J. Jefferson, you a healthy K.J. Jefferson, you've got a chance. All right, and there, you know, and again, you know, Ole Miss is in a situation that's, that's kind of hard to figure out. So I think that after Alabama and LSU, the SEC, the rest of the SEC West is wide open. Anybody could finish anywhere in those bottom five slots. Tony, we heard uh, Commissioner Sankey open up his press conference earlier today talking about NIL and the state of college football. In your opinion, how is it affecting the state of college football right now and, and what needs to be done, if anything? And, and what, what's your opinion on NIL, basically? Well, NIL has been the, – the rollout has been botched from the very beginning due to lack of leadership at the, at the highest level. Before they ever started it, there should have been a set of guardrails to govern how it was going to go. That didn't happen. They just put it out there and let let the marketplace go. Now that that's happened, as somebody somebody had told me, you, you, obviously you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. So what you've got to figure out what what can we do to do something so that uh, the the rules that you're basically operating under the same set of rules because that's not happening now. You got the states figuring out. If you got 50 states, you got 50 states coming up with 50 different ways to do it because you got some coaches, uh, you know, the legislatures are coming to, hey, coach, just tell us what you need. Tell us what you need and we'll put it into the law. That's no way to, that's not even remotely fair. So I don't want the government involved in college football, but I don't see, I thought Commissioner Sankey made a very good point. He said, that's, if we're going to get, some uniform guidelines so that everybody's operating on the same set of rules that may be the only way we do it because now that it's out there now that the guys can go to the marketplace if you make any changes to restrict the amount of money these guys can make one but one person why don't we just give everybody a hundred thousand dollars and be done with it you know why you can't do that because the quarterback at you name it notre dame alabama ohio state michigan quarterback of that school is going to raise his hand saying i can make a lot more money in the open market than a hundred thousand dollars i'm worth a lot more than that so to do anything like that is a clear violation of antitrust law and some and the people who criticize it don't seem to understand what antitrust law is all about you can't restrict somebody's ability to make money unless you've collectively bargained that's what the money is supposed to be so I think I think getting the, the the government involved is really the only answer. Tony, we'll wrap up things uh, with this. Um, again, a part of the changing landscape in college football includes these bigger conferences, different mm-hmm. scheduling. Obviously, going back to what we talked about at the beginning with the meetings in Destin, opt for an eight game model for one year only. Where are you? on the eight versus nine debate and, and what becomes of just all the scheduling topics here in the next couple of years in the league. I was very much in favor of nine and still in favor of nine, but I understood, you know, we started talking about this on Monday at Destin. And as the week went on, it became clear that it, they were not going to go to nine. So, but I still think the long-term future is best for the SEC to have that ninth game. But I I now understand the reason they didn't go to nine games is because they looked at their 2024 schedules, and there was a ton of really strong Power Five opponents on that. LSU is playing both UCLA and USC uh, in 2024, so that's why they didn't go to nine. But the reason they will go to nine, you get more quality SEC games, and you go to your friends at ESPN and says, look, you want a ninth conference game? We're here to help. Now, put two more zeros on the end of that check, <laughs> and we're good. All right? 
And so that that's the but I think ultimately ultimately I want to do nine conference games because I don't want to lose the secondary rivalries that we would lose with it. Georgia Auburn is a game that's very very close to me and my family. I've been playing since 1892. Longest continuous rivalry in the deep south. I would not even if you played it every other year, I wouldn't want to lose it. And I, the only way you can save Tennessee Alabama the only way you can save those secondary rivalries is to go to a nine-game conference schedule. He's Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart, here at SEC Media Days. Tony, we appreciate the time, and I know that summer has almost come to an end, but we're excited for college football. There's no doubt, guys. Good to be with you. Appreciate it. That is Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, today on Sports Call. We're going to